Just thank for this opportunity to come before you and to worship you in the Word and to look at what you'd have us to, to see from all of this. We ask you to bless and guide and lead us as we look at this chapter in Leviticus. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Leviticus 22, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they profane not my holy name in those things which they hollow unto me. I am the Lord. Say unto them, Whosoever he be of all your seed among your generation that goes unto the holy things, which is of the children of which the children of Israel hollow unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, that soul shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. What man soever of the seed of Aaron is a leper or has a running issue, he shall not eat of the holy things until he be clean. And whoso touches anything that is is unclean by the dead or or a man whose seed goeth from him, or whosoever touches any creeping thing whereby he may be made unclean, or a man of whom he may take uncleanness, whatsoever uncleanness he has, the soul which touched any such uncleanness until evening, and shall not eat the holy thing unless he wash his flesh with water. And when the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and shall afterward eat the holy thing, because it is his food. I'm going to stop there at 7 and kind of look over this a little bit. Okay, so we're continuing with the things that the priest can and can't do. And basically, God's holding the priest to a higher standard because they represent God to the people. And that's what we talked about last week. So we're looking at this, and it says, Speaking to Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they profane not my name with those things which they hallow unto me. I am the Lord. So he's saying, if it's holy, they're not to profane it. And we've talked about... The act, the act of profaning means to make, make it common. And God says the things that are holy were sanctified unto him. They were special. And he says don't do anything to them that make it common. And this is the way we're supposed to live our lives in God's name. That, that when we live our life before him, our testimony shines out. And we don't make God's testimony in his name common. And that's the sad thing when you hear somebody says, well, all those Christians, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They don't, you know, they don't live right. And unfortunately, part of the problem is that they think we're supposed to be perfect, which we'll never be. But it's really sad when we live a lifestyle that deserves the criticisms that they, they, they make of us. And in, in this case, the people were told, you know, the priests were told, stay separate. And again, the reason, I am holy. And remember, we talked about that before, that God says, I am holy, I am the Lord. And the reason that we can be these things is because he indwells us and he comes out of us. So we want to look at this a, a little further. And it says in verse 3, Whosoever he be of your seed among your generation that goes into the holy, unto the holy things, which the children of Israel hallow unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, that soul shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. What's your definition for hollow? Hollow is to set aside. Set, stay separate. Oh. Set aside, set, set separate. Set aside. Or set apart. Yeah. So we've said it all our lives. And they kids, you know, I'm the our father. Yeah. Hallow be thy name. Set aside is your name. Set Thank apart, you. sanctified, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. Thank it's, you. So he says that, you know, if you come into contact with something that's unclean, and this unclean literally means any physical sickness, and he's going to describe some of these sicknesses later on, 
But we've already talked about the physical sicknesses in the past. That would be any diseases, leprosy, uh, running issues of the of the sexual uh, transmitted diseases that they would have. Any moral issues, any sinful life in the you know uh, aspect of their life, and even the spiritual. You know, if they're if they're just ceremonially ceremonially unclean. <laughs> not so easy to say tonight. So the, any of these things that make them unclean, they were not to go in and serve God. They were to be separate. And they were to say, no, I can't serve. The same thing we ask when we do communion. We tell people, if you haven't confessed your sins, you're not, you're not you know, pure before God, don't take the communion because God says to be pure, be and clean. And it's a, it's a sin, and, and in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul told the Corinthians that some of you are sick because you've been taking communion incorrectly without, without uh, being confessed. So, and God's telling the priest, if you're unclean, stay, out of, stay, stay away from the holy things. Stay out, basically stay out of the temple. Even though that's their job, they're to stay out. They're not to get involved with it. And it says, whatsoever man of Aaron's seed is a leper or has a running issue, he shall not eat the holy things until he is clean. And whosoever touches anything that is unclean by a dead or of a man who, whose seed goes from him, or whosoever touches any creeping thing whereby he may be made unclean or a man in whom he may take uncleanness, whatsoever uncleanness he has, the soul which has touched him shall be unclean until evening and shall not eat of the holy things unless he wash his flesh with water. So now we're getting more specific. Aaron's being told if any of his if any of his children are lepers, and remember his children are all qualified to be priests because they're his children, he goes, but if they're a leper, they're not allowed to. Which makes sense because lepers are highly contagious and they're not supposed to be anywhere near anybody. And he says, or have a running issue, and we've talked about running issues before. It's related to the sexual transmitted diseases and the running sores that, that are accompanied with that. He shall not eat the holy things. And what are the holy things for the priest? The showbread. The showbread and Offering. the offerings that they get to consume. All right. So if they have anything that keeps them unclean, as everybody, if you recognize, these are uncleanness for everybody else as well. The priests aren't special. They're not, they're not given a special thing saying, okay, if you're unclean, you can go ahead and do your job, even though everybody else has to, you know, hide themselves and say they're unclean. So that he's being very clear to the priest, if you have all those things that we've already discussed in the past that are unclean, you cannot perform your job, and you cannot eat of the stuff from the sanctuary. All right, so they've got a further restriction. And he says, whoso touches anything that is unclean by the dead, and remember, we talked about this before, if you touched a dead body, a carcass, you were unclean until that night, you were to wash your, wash your hands, and you were to be set aside until that evening. Is that why they wear gloves when they carry the casket down? Uh, that's a lot of show, but basically it's probably a good, good part of it, so they don't touch the dead. I didn't have to wear gloves. Well... Very formal one. Very formal ones do. Yeah. Sometimes it's protect the brass too, so it doesn't tarnish in the ground, which is going to tarnish anyway. But, <laughs> but it is a lot of it's for show. But it might also be it might be from the roots of this type of thing. Don't touch, don't touch the dead. And it says, or 
any of the seed which goes from them or any of the running, running sores that were talked about. And whosoever touches any creeping thing. Now, creeping things were insects, small reptiles, rodents, all those animals that are not clean. And if they touched any of those animals, they were unclean until that evening. And God protected his people from these because those, all you know, insects and, and rodents and everything carry disease. Mm -hmm. uh, the black plague was carried by the fleas that got on the, on the, on the mice and the rats and they were transported to the people and, got, and they got sick and the diseases that they carried. And, and the Jews have always been a people that when they followed God's laws were healthier than most everybody around them because they washed their hands, they washed their dishes, they didn't use the dishes that were made unclean by the animals running across them and they did things that were healthy and we now know that we're healthy and that they should have been done. Except here, God just told them to do it. And they've always been separate. They've always been able to say, uh, stay healthy because they didn't violate these things. And they washed their hands properly and, and uh, with, with their hands held to heaven, you know, so the water dripped down their arms rather than to their fingers. And that's the way doctors do oh, wash yeah. their hands even yeah, to this day. They wash their hands and they hold them up so that the dirty water runs down. And now, of course, we have antibacterial soaps and everything, but they still hold their hands up so like that the diseases and stuff don't end up in their fingers. And this is what God said to do. I figured it was drying your hands faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of does that. It does that, too. It does that, too. But it's really, it's really just to keep the, yeah. keep the water running down instead of up. Uh, or down your, elbow, down your elbows rather than to your hands. And so this is what God says. And if, you're going, if you touch anything that's unclean, you were unclean until that evening. And that's not a long time for incubation, but it is long enough to know, you know, if, you're going to, if it's really deadly sick, you're going to get sick before, before that. Why can't they do it like right after they touch it? But they got to wait until evening. Well, they wash right away, but they're unclean until evening. Oh, 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 okay. They're unclean. They can't because they are, you know, potentially contagious. Uh, Amy went through that with her cats, getting around Parvo, even though they're indoor cats, you know, that the disease was transferred someplace else. And this is what happens with diseases. We transfer them real easy if we don't... Oh, I'd like to kill that little puppy of my dad. My dad. What a trauma it's been to have to take my cats in the car. <laughs> my dad's puppy had, had Parvo. Oh, no. And, and again, so when my stepmother was at the vet getting the dog fixed for Parvo, Who's been, if anybody with animals been around this dog? I've seen them kind of cats. Linda's a little story. And my stepmother said, Yes, Amy's cats. And so the, she, okay. the vet told her that, that those cats had to go for shots. Because yep. I could have brought it in on my hands or shoes. Yeah, and that happens with just about any disease. We can bring any disease around and, and to, to things and to other people. and. And we just want to be careful with that. And this is what God's telling us, people. If you've been around something, then you are potentially diseased. You're not, you are to separate yourself at least until evening. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically self-imposed quarantines that, were, that were God was telling them to do. Uh, but, and if a soul touch anything that is unclean, they shall not eat the holy things. Again, they weren't allowed to eat the showbread. They weren't allowed to eat the meat from the offerings. Basically, because they could contaminate all the food of the priest. And it would be a really terrible thing if all your priests got sick. 
But this is that if you recognize these, we've gone through all of these restrictions already. God's just reiterating it with Aaron that Aaron, this include your sons aren't excluded from these things, even though they're priests. These apply to them. They're not. They're not. Uh, privileged characters they have to obey the laws that everybody else has to obey and this is I really believe this is God telling his people go just because you're following me and serving me does not mean that you can violate the rules and this is true for God good leaders are good examples and do things that they expect others to do and God is saying you're 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 accountable you are accountable says, and when the sun goes down, he shall be clean and, and after and shall afterward eat the holy things because it is his food. Most of the food for the priest came from the showbread and the offerings, the meat offering and the meal offering. And remember, the meal offering is the grain, the grains and everything. It's not, not just meat. And that's where most of their nutrition came from. Now, when they settle in the promised land, they are given cities throughout the throughout the territory and they're giving fields around the city so they do have a place for animals to be raised and everything especially toward the when they when they number in the hundreds then the thousands and, and uh, David developed 24 circuits of, of, uh, of people to minister into the tabernacle and so they only serve for two weeks actually four weeks a year as as priests and the rest of the time they lived in whatever city of Levi they, they were part of. So they only worked two you know, you know, four weeks a year in the temple. So it's not very often that they even went there. So to be chosen, if you remember when Elizabeth's uh, husband, uh, Zachariah, went into the temple and he got to do the showbread and the, and the candles and he saw the angel telling him that he and Elizabeth were going to have the, the son John. You know, it was quite a miracle, number one, that he was selected and it would be a situation where in all your time of service you would only probably get to go into the temple, you know, into the holy place maybe one time in your entire life. Wow. Okay, because there were so many priests. Uh, you worked on the altars all the time, you know, offering the sacrifices, killing the animals, skinning them, but to actually go into the holy place was a treat a blessing uh, a great responsibility uh, usually it was done by lots and who's going to serve the you know on each day was done by lots and it was a, it was a well they were open to be whole you know that's just it they, the better you know the better an example you were the more obedient you were the more likely you were to to go in and remember last week we were talking about the high priest couldn't couldn't be married to anybody but a virgin so that meant that any priest who ever wanted to aspire so the hope of being the high priest would marry nobody but a virgin, even though they as priests were allowed to marry a widower or, or a divorcee, they wouldn't because if they were wanting to be, ever wanted to be the high priest, you couldn't, couldn't do so. So they had a high standard and they, and they were to live it. That which dies of itself or is torn with beast, he shall not eat to defile himself thereof with I am the Lord. Ye shall therefore keep my ordinances, lest they bear sin for it, and die thereof, if they profane it. I am the Lord, I the Lord do sanctify them. So we want to look at this, the animals, and this has been repeated, There's a lot of this is repetitious, I'm not taking a long time to cover it, because we, this is very repetitious. If an animal dies 
by itself in the field, you are not allowed to eat it. Now we know that that's really a smart thing to do anyway, because if it dies in the field, why did it die is what you want to know. Now if it died just strictly of old age, it probably would have been okay to eat. But it's going to be tough and hard, hard to eat. And if it didn't die of old age, that disease might be transmittable to the people. And so God's saying, if it dies, you're not to eat it. If it's ripped up by an animal, you're not to eat it. And part of the reason on that is usually when a predator killed an animal, it would eat the animal. There wouldn't be anything left. If it just killed the animal and didn't eat it, what does that mean? The one that killed it, eat something was wrong with it. Something's wrong with it, and usually something along the lines of rabies. Oh, yeah. Okay. When they've got rabies, they will kill and not, not consume. They just kill. And they may, may consume, but they, I mean, they often just kill. But a predator, unless they're chased away, <laughs> is going to eat the animal because they're not going to take the time to kill something unless they're hungry. Because it is not, contrary to what most people think, it's not easy for those animals to kill another animal. Just catching them sometimes is a big deal. Uh, and you're not going to exert the energy to go catch the animal and kill the animal. Another predator, they're fighting yeah. over the same yeah. animal. Unless you're the crazy rabbits that commit suicide. <laughs> On the like roads. Running into the cars. We have lots yeah. of suicidal bunnies here in uh, Colorado. Yeah, they're all suicidal. They run straight at cars or run right at them. I've, I've had many of them hit my, actually hit my car going home at night. So. Yeah. Alright, so if the, if the, so he's saying don't eat these animals. If you haven't actually killed the animal, don't eat the animal. Now, this restriction did have a, for the regular people, had a caveat that if they did, they were unclean until the, until the evening. Okay, not here for the priests though. The priests are not even allowed to eat these animals. Okay, and if you remember, you know, a month ago, two months ago, whatever it was, we talked about this. You know, they could eat these animals if they really, really felt they needed to. They could eat these animals that does died on their own, but they would be unclean until evening, even though it wasn't a very smart thing to do. God told them not to. Um, and then it says, And they shall therefore keep my ordinance. They will guard his ordinances, lest they bear sin for it, and die thereof if they profane it. I, am the Lord, I the Lord, do sanctify them. And here God's saying that when you sin, it's very likely that it's going to produce a, a result, okay? And they're going to bear their sin if they, don't, if they don't keep his ordinance and they don't go through the confession and the sacrifices. They'll bear their sin and die thereof. And oftentimes, sin does result in death. Mm -hmm. And now we know that it does result in death ultimately anyway. Yeah. The wages of sin is death. So... Ultimately, all sin results in death. Sometimes sin results in early death. And we see that in, in alcohol and drug use where somebody will be in an accident or just plain you know, OD on, on, on the alcohol or the, or the drugs. Uh, sexual sins can cause, cause diseases that bring death or at least that you wish would bring death sometimes. And you know, there's all these things that death can oftentimes be the result of 
sin directly, not even just the long term. Mm -hmm. uh, death against, you know, sins against individuals can sometimes result in death. You know, if somebody happens to have a weapon or wants to defend themselves. And, and so God is saying that it will result, okay? It does bring a fruit to it when you sin. And the ultimate long-term one is that we die physically at the, at the end of our life, whatever that might be. And then if we haven't accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have an eternal death that is forever. So sin has consequences, and it always will have consequences. And this is what we've got to always remember. We so often think, well, it's just a small thing. What's the big deal? You know, it's not, nobody's going to know, nobody's going to care. And then so often we get wrapped up in the results of that sin. Something as simple as gossip and spreading rumors about people sometimes backfires in a big way and the harm that comes from that. And then he goes, I, the Lord, do sanctify them because God is the one that will do the sanctifying. Okay, verse 10. There shall no stranger eat of the holy thing. A sojourner of the priest or a hired servant shall not eat the holy thing. But if the priest buy any soul with his money, he shall eat of it. He that is born in his house, he shall eat of his meat. If the priest's daughter also be married unto a stranger, she shall not eat of the offering of the holy thing. For if the priest's daughter be a widow or, or divorced and have no child and is returned again unto her father's house, as in her youth, she shall eat of her father's meat, and there shall no stranger eat thereof. So we want to look at this. The priests were able to eat the holy things. And remember, the holy things are the showbread, and the, the meat of the offering, and the meal offerings. And it says the priest and his immediate family that lives with him, and the other one was that if he has bought a servant, okay, somebody who is a servant who is part of his household, okay, not a hired servant. Remember, it said if it's a hired servant, they don't qualify. But if he has actually bought the person, you know, bought the person, the bond slave or, or, or a slave, they, were, they could eat the meal because they were considered family. And you got to remember, when, when we think of slaves here in America, we think of how badly the, the, the slaves are treated in the, in the South. In this case, slaves were made basically part of the family. You bought a slave, you were responsible for that slave's well-being, and they were part, almost part of the family. They weren't exactly part of the family, but they were considered part of the family. Think about Abraham. Before Isaac and Ishmael were born, who did, does anybody remember who Abraham said would be his heir? His servant. His chief servant. The one that he sent to get a daughter, uh, a, a wife for Isaac when he, when he, when he finally was born. And his complaint to God was, you know, Eliezer is my going to inherit everything I've got, God, because he's my, he's the closest thing that I have to uh, a child, and that was God, you know, Abraham's complaint because the servants were considered a good servant slave was part of the family, all right, not quite equal with the family, but they were they were also better off than just somebody you hired off the street to work for you, so. No stranger was to eat of the holy things. Now think of when David was on the run from Saul one time. Do you remember when he went into the temple and he said, I'm, I'm on an urgent mission from King Saul. He lied <laughs> to the priest. 
He says, we, we left so quickly we didn't bring any food. Do you have any food that you can give us? And, and the priest said, the only thing we have is the showbread, and it's not right for you to eat it. But if your men have kept themselves from women, we will let you have it. Okay? This was something that was technically not allowed to happen. All right? It was not something that that priest could do to give the showbread to David and his men. And because of this sentence right here, it was only to be to the priest and their children and their, and their wives. So if it was somebody just visiting or a hired servant, they weren't allowed to do it. And even to the point of if his daughter was married and she didn't marry another priest, she couldn't eat this food that she had grown up eating. Okay? So this is pretty strict on this. God said this is hallowed really food. Huh? That's really strict. Well, you've got to understand from their perspective, once a, wife, once a woman was married, she was no longer part of her father's family. She was part of her new family. Okay? So if he, she married somebody who wasn't a priest, she was no longer considered part of the priest's family. All right? Uh, and yes, that seems harsh to us and everything in our day and age, but it, it still was easier than, than their day. And remember, we've talked about this. As hard as the rules that God put on them are, they're still much better than what the rules were outside of Israel. Okay. If they had a big family and each one was getting a small portion and it's better to, for her to go off into her own family and fix a big meal for, for her, her family. family. <laughs> she she can share her, her portion can go to one of her brothers. But, you know, in this case, I mean, in the, in the world outside of Israel, the woman had no rights whatsoever. They wouldn't even been able to eat, you know, with their, with their husbands and, and the males in the family. They were just... They were literally considered property completely. And they were, you know, this gets into the whole thing. God says the only reason for divorce, and even in the Old Testament, was because of adultery. Okay, now, there were scholars and rabbis that added all kinds of reasons why you could divorce your wife, but the, the biblical reason was only for divorce. And in the world, basically, you know, the guy didn't even like the look of his wife in the morning or whatever, could divorce her and get rid of her, and she had no recourse. All right, so this is God's rules were, you know, harsh to us, but yet in their day were, were quite um, protective, liberating, whatever, you, whatever term you want to use. I mean, they seem harsh to us, but, you know, same thing when we look at an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, we think of, boy, how mean and hard that was. But I've said it over and over. In that day and the rest of the world, if you hurt me, then I had every right just to ride into your, into your camp, take everything away from you, kill your whole family, and take everything away from you. And so God saying an eye for an eye says, no, you can't just go in and take everything away from them. They hurt you. You can do just what they did to you and nothing more. And so we look at it and say, boy, that's awful. But they looked at it and said, wow, God, you're really restricting us. And as God's gone along, he's restricted us more and more and more over the years. So, we, and this is where, and if the priest's daughter gets, is widowed or divorced and has no children and she's returned to her father's house, then she gets to partake back of the food again. All right? And again, if she's got children, the children were supposed to take care of her as the widow or the divorce. And that doesn't happen in our world anymore, you know, like it should. 
and uh, especially we got we got children that aren't even taking care of their own kids. They hand them off to their mom and dad or grandma and grandpa to take care of their kids. You know, so we are so far away from what God says to do that it's not even not even funny because of sin and, and doing what's right in our own eyes. Verse four: If any man eat the holy thing unwittingly or inadvertently. Then he shall put a fifth part therefore unto it, and shall give it back to give it unto the priest with the holy thing, and they shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel which they offer unto the Lord. So if he accidentally, you know, your servant accidentally eats the, you know, your your hired servant accidentally ate something that was part of the holy things, they were to restore it and pay back twenty percent. But if they accidentally did it, they didn't know. They didn't know, but that's why they could buy back. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they could buy it back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, they accidentally did it. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Then God says, okay, you've got to pay back. You ate, you ate three steaks. You've got to give back three steaks, you know, three steaks plus 20%. All right. So you've got to add to those steaks that you took another three, another, another let's see, 20% of three would be... Uh, half another half a steak in this case, but usually you wouldn't eat that little. You know, you took a side of beef, then you had to return that side of beef plus another, you know, another another twenty uh, percent, or the value thereof. And this, if you re remember this, this this fifth part has been out there before. If somebody stole in Israel, they were to pay back what they stole plus twenty percent. If they didn't give their offering on time and they held back from God, they were later on to give the offering that was due to God plus 20%. I think that's good. God's saying you're going to be honored, you're going, you're going to be obedient or it's going to cost you. When it comes out, you will pay what you were supposed to have paid plus. And Israel didn't have a lot of jail, didn't have a jail system. There was two rules in Israel. You either restored what you took or the death penalty. There's really no in-between. Adultery, kidnapping, murder, all these things were, were capital offenses. If you stole, you hurt somebody, it was restore plus 20%. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, there wasn't these jails where they stuck you in. If you couldn't pay, then you became their servant until you worked it off. So it was no, I hurt this person and, and I got away with it. In our, in our system of justice, you're, you're fined and everything, but that fine doesn't even go to the person you hurt. It's, and if you think about it, it's, if you've ever been to court, you've ever seen court, it's always the state of whatever versus this person. Okay? You hurt me, but the one charging you is the state. Okay? I'm, I'm, out, I'm out something and I'm probably not going to get any restitution, but the state's going to get money out of the deal or incarcerate them. I think really the old laws were in a way better. Mm -hmm. really. Because there was an immediate result. Now I think it would be not so bad. It was an immediate result. You stole something, you gave it back plus, plus, plus the plus to it. Yeah. And if you didn't, then you became their servant and worked it off. And it's not been too long that that was the way the law system even in the states worked mm -hmm. but over time it's it's gotten away from it it's gotten away from the biblical way of doing it into a way that really doesn't work 
when people are sent to jail, the recidivism rate is so high that most of them go right back. And it's mostly because we don't punish them. We try to, we try to re-educate re them and try to get them to change their mind about it. But also the fact of they get everything in, in the American system of justice. They've got TV, they've got weight rooms, they've got, you know, and all they've got to do is give up the freedom of doing whatever they want. Yeah. Now, and yes, that's harsh, but after a while you get out and all of a sudden you're not getting three square me you're not getting three meals a day. You've got to have a roof over your head. You've got, and they go, well, it's better just to be in jail. I mean, all I had to do is say that I can't go where I want to go, but I got three meals a day. I got, I got my, my, my bed. I got a roof over my head. I could go to the doctor. It didn't cost me money. And the problem is that it goes to the whole mentality we have in this world of give me, give me, give me. I think they're better off than the homeless people because the homeless people don't have nothing. And the ones in jail, they got everything. That's because yeah. the politicians want it nice for them. That's where they end up. Well, <laughs> in case their family members or they end up there, they want it to be at least civil. Because well, more people are in prison than South Africa now. More of the problem. More of the problem South is Africa not. Had the most. It's not even. It's not even that. It's. It is the fact that they've been taken to court and they've lost because we've gotten away from God's way of doing things. If they would have so, followed the Bible all this time, it would have been good. Well, they wouldn't have put them in jail anyway. Oh yeah, they would be so, here. All right. Let's see. Verse. 15, and they shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, which they offer unto God. And this is the idea. They've made an offering because they gave it to God. That made it a holy item. Now remember, they're getting to, the priests are getting the hide of the burnt offering. They're getting part of the meat offering. They're getting part of the trespass offering. They get, they get to eat of the meat that comes in off of these offerings and take it take it to themselves and that's where they're getting their food and it's sanctified it's holy and God's saying if you're not holy you're taking the sacrifice that was made for me and profaning it you're making it common you're destroying the sacrifice okay and this is why God calls us he tells us to be living sacrifices before him that we have given ourselves over to him to be made holy to be righteous and he doesn't want us to make that sacrifice profane, common. And here he is with the Jews that, you know, saying, it is not to be done. You're not to defame this. You're not to make it common. And he says, verse 16, Or suffer them to bear the iniquity of trespass when they eat the holy things, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. And so he's saying that if you take that trespass offering and you make it profane, the sin is not covered. It is not covered. It's a serious thing that God's telling them. He's saying, if you mess up these sacrifices, priest, you're hurting not just yourselves, you're hurting those who made the sacrifice, who trusted them to treat it correctly. This is why in James 3 it tells many of you ought not to be teachers for the, for the condemnation is greater for those that teach because we affect other people's lives. And when we work with others, we're, we're, we're not just affecting ourselves. And so if we're teaching and we teach somebody wrong, 
We can, we can ruin their life. Now, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have gone into the scriptures and checked it out themselves. It doesn't let them off the hook. But the teacher who taught wrong is, is going to be condemned by God saying, you affected others' lives. And it's a critical thing. That's why I study hard to make sure when I teach, I'm teaching what God wants me to teach. Because I don't want to have God say, you know, hey, you did this, you taught this wrong, you taught this wrong. The scary thing is there's times that I know that I have taught wrong because as I've gone through and I've, and I've learned you know, a little more about a topic, I'm going, oh, ouch, I didn't teach that right. You know, and it's like, God, please forgive me. Help, it, you know, help them have studied the scriptures and, and get to know it as well. And plus, you're learning too then. Because I'm always learning. The, yeah. We're all always yeah, learning. Yeah. Which is why I listen to other pastors, which is why I read, read a lot of different lexicons and books when I'm studying just to make sure, do I fully understand these words? Do I, do I completely understand what this is? And compare scripture to scripture and, and bounce back and forth. You know, when I was teaching the Revelation class, we went back to different verses where they, when they were quoted so we could see here's where this stuff came from and here's what it means. Because it's very important for us to understand what things mean and where it comes from. Verse 17, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and to all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or the strangers of Israel that will offer his oblation for all his vows and for his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a, for a burnt offering, you shall offer at your own will a nail without blemish of, of the beeves, of the sheep, of the goats. But whatsoever has a blemish, you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. So we want to look at this real close because this is something, <clears throat> this is actually something I just learned a few years, uh, a couple of months ago, actually. Verse 18, speak unto Aaron and to his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them, Whatsoever he be, or whosoever he be, that of the house of Israel, or of the strangers of Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows. And an oblation is a sacrifice. But note here, the people who could offer sacrifices were not just from Israel. It says, or any stranger. Anybody could go into the temple of God and make the offerings. And this is quite amazing because as far as I know, nobody ever did. But God is saying, if the stranger wants to come and worship me through the way, through the temple, they can come. And this is, is kind of, huh? Is this unacceptable offerings? I might not say it Sacrificing. Down below verse 20 was, what, what is it? Right Okay, yeah, it's under that category, but it starts out with anybody, Israelite or a visitor, a stranger, an alien, can come in and make an offering. Now, I don't know why anybody would make an offering to God you know, and not be a Jew, but if God says that they can come in. Now, I don't know if anybody ever took care of this. I've not been able to find out anything about this to see if, if any non-Jew ever came and made an offering. Suppose their neighbor was sick, and he was Jewish, and he turned around, and the guy asked him to go and make an offering for him. Well, that's not what this verse is talking about, but yeah, I would think I would think somebody somewhere must have made offerings to God. Well, 
Here he's basically telling Israel that I want the worship of the world, not just you. The Jews, yeah. Okay. The Jews have been very much isolationist. And in the temple, you had the Holy of Holies, the holy place, the, the court of sacrifice, and then around that you had the, the court of the Gentiles. And literally, they told Gentiles they weren't allowed to come past the court of Gentiles into the place of sacrifice. So in Jesus' day, in the, in the temple of, of Herod, they weren't allowed to come into and make sacrifice, even though God said they could. All right, Man had said, no, you can't. God said, yes, you can. Okay, And so there's all kinds of problems there. And I don't know when that really got started uh, but for God he's saying all people Jew and Gentile can come and worship in the temple and they didn't do that this is part of the reason that the Jews rejected Jesus and God has chosen for 2,000 years to let the church of Gentiles primarily be the one that ministers to the world because the Jews basically said no we're not going to do it and even to this day, they don't allow you in synagogues to really worship as a Gentile. No. If you come, in, if you come into a full Orthodox congregation in a synagogue as a Jew, as a Gentile, you will mostly be sent over to the, to the women's area. Yeah, you have to for the women. Yeah, because you're not qualified. Uh, now, so that's not true of all. Some actually follow this verse and will let a male sit with the, with the Jewish males, but it kind of goes either way. And I've, I've seen both because I've visited two different Jewish synagogues. And, and one time I was forced to sit over with the women and another time they put a yarmulke on me and, and let me sit with the men. So I don't know what, what, whether one was a more progressive and one was strict Orthodox or, or not. Well, the Orthodox temple would have made you sit with the women. Probably, because you're not a Jew. So, but for God, he's saying, Gentiles, come and worship me. He's invited them, come. Come and make that worship. And he says, they can offer their vows or their free will offerings. And remember, we've had a number of places where people, there were three free will offerings that were, that were available that, to the people. The, the uh, burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering, they were not required offerings. Test, uh, the uh, trespass and the, I forgot the fifth offering. All right. Anyway, the trespass and uh, peace, no peace offering. Okay. Again, got brain dead all of a sudden. The two offerings were mandatory. Three were, three were voluntary usually. Now remember, if they made a vow, the burnt offering would be how they ended their vow, and it was no longer a free will offering. It was a, a, a requirement. And it says they can, when they bring those to them, they can offer it unto the Lord for a burnt sacrifice. And it says, you shall offer of your own a male without blemish, no spots, no, no cuts, of the beeves, which is plural for beef, for Old English, the sheep or of the goats, all right? So any, any major animal in your, in your flock for these offerings. And it can be with, it has to be, and it says, but whatsoever has a blemish, 
it shall not be offered for it is not acceptable for you all right so god wanted a perfect animal to be sacrificed and why did he want a perfect animal to be sacrificed well because they're a picture of jesus okay remember jesus's jesus as the sacrifice was perfect without 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 sin without blemish Verse 21, And whoso offers a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord to accomplish a vow or a free will offering of beef or sheep, it shall be perfect to, it shall be perfect to be accepted, and there shall be no blemish. Blind, broken, maimed, or having a wind, or scurvy or scabbed, ye shall not offer to the Lord, nor make an offering of fire of them on the altar before God. And God saying, No seconds, he wants the best. And this is why when people will talk about the tithes and say, well, I just want to give the tithe out of my leftovers. Well, that's between you and God, but God doesn't want seconds. He wants the best. And it says, you know, if the animal's blind, you're not to give it. If it's broken, you know, it's been crushed, you know, something, you know, something has been broken on it, it's not acceptable as an offering. Uh, if, it, if it's maimed, it, it, its leg has been, again, this is another form of broken, but it's, it's been cut and mutilated because and maimed. It's not allowed. If it's a win, that means it's just an in, in, imperfection or a blemish on its body. It's not allowed. Um, if it's got scurvy and all kinds of scabs, uh, uh, sores, and, and, and itches, they weren't allowed to, to offer it. If it was scabbed, and this is talking about skin sores and, and, and running sores, they weren't allowed to offer it. You know, all of this kind of makes sense to me. You know, it's like, okay, God, I'm going to give you the worst animal in my flock, and that's going to be my sacrifice to you. To me, it seems like you pick out the best because yeah. the Lord is the one and only, and He has like the ultimate. If He's if He's so important to you, it should be your best. Yeah. It should be our best. And this takes us to how do we not, serve God? And if it's not your best, then don't even give it because. Yeah, and if it's not our best, why would we even want to give it to God? Mm -hmm. and, and this goes, though, to our own service. Are we giving God our best service, or are we kind of giving our, the, the least that I can get away with? You know, and it just, you know, okay, God, you know, I, I said I'm going to do this, you know, but I'm going to do a half-baked job at it, you know, because I'm not being paid for it here on earth, so I'm just going to do the littlest, least I can get away with, and people will still think I did my job. Takes you to Priscilla and Aquila, you know, with their sacrifice at the, at the in Jerusalem, and they sold their property and they made it sound like they were giving yeah. all the money did. that they did. Now there was nothing wrong with them keeping part of the money, but, but to lie to everybody and try to make them think that you know I sold this property, I'm giving it. Look how generous I am. I'm I'm giving all to God. But look at how dead they got. And they got very dead. <laughs> yes. And God is saying, you know, I want your best. I want your best. Don't don't give me second rate. And this is why it's important when we serve God that we serve him completely. We, we honor him in a, in a complete way. It says, either a bullock or a lamb that has any superfluous, which means an imperfection, or an extended, it means extended, hyperextended, basically. Uh, superfluous or lacking in, in his parts, he may... That may be offered of a free will offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. So God's saying, if you have something that hasn't extended or it's somewhat stunted or handicapped, 
You can give it as a free will offering, but not as a vow. If it was required, you couldn't give it to him. If it was a required offering, you had to give him the best. If it was just something you were doing freely, then it really didn't matter because it's above. Yeah. It was above and beyond what you were required to do. It would be, you know, where God requires a tithe from people, but anything above the tithe is an offering. And then there's no statement of how much that offering needs to be because it is above what he requires. And that's what God is saying here. Neither from a stranger's hand shall you offer the bread of your God to any, of any of these, because their corruption is in them and blemishes in them. They shall not be accepted for you. No, you shall not offer anything. Okay, go back to that mistake. mistake. You shall not offer anything that is bruised, because God wants best. He wants best. He doesn't want secondhand stuff. That would be like, you know, here, I love you so much, I'm giving you this mangy, mangy, worn-out uh, cow that's on its last leg. It's ready to die anyway, but you can have it. You know, I really love you, and here it is. You know, that's not the gift you give somebody. Uh, when we had that movie, uh, Fireproof, if you remember the first time you were supposed to send her flowers, and he oh, sends yeah. her, sends us this despicable little, know. you know, deadly, you know, sick flowers, and he says, here, this is how much I love you. I really put a lot of time picking, picking out the best thing I could give you. And she just looked at him and, and threw him away because that's what they were worth. Uh, and God's saying the same thing. Don't give me your, your, your seconds. Don't give me your leftovers. And because he doesn't want to accept those. Verse 26, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, When a bullock or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, when it shall be seven days under the, the dame or the, or the mother, and from the eighth day you shall henceforth it shall be acceptable for an offering made of fire unto the Lord. And whether it be a cow or an ewe, you shall not kill it and her young in, in one day. All right, so basically you're saying you can't kill an animal that's less than eight days old, <laughs> which kind of makes sense. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why you'd even want to make an offering that right. young. But then he also went on to say that you shall not kill the mother and the, and the, the young on the same day. This is going back to, if you remember, we talked before that God said you shall not see the, uh, uh, the young in its mother's milk. All right. And that the reason for that was because that was a fertility practice. That was the way they, the Canaanites worshipped their fertility god. They took an animal and, and boiled it in its own mother's milk as a sacrifice for fertility. And God says, no, you're not going to be like the people in in Canaan, you're going to be different. And now the Jews have taken that to the whole place where you can't put make a cheeseburger because you might accidentally be cooking the meat, meat with his mother's milk. And I think they went way too far because of way outside of what God said, but it's what they've done and it's the way they practiced and, and have practiced it for many, many years, even though it's not what God said. But it says here, you shall not do that. You shall not kill the mother and the, and the child at the same time, or the, the calf at the same time, was not used child. Huh? They shouldn't do that, period. Well, it, 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 again, it goes into the fertility rights of the Canaanite well, people. Yeah. You killed the mother, the mother and, the, and the young, and it was to bring fertility to you. And God's saying, no, we're not, we're not touching that area. We're not, you're not going to follow those mystical, magical sacrifices of the, of the people you're, you've been taken out of. Verse 29, and when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving 
unto your Lord, offer it at your own will, not mandatory for Thanksgiving. And remember, Thanksgiving was where they got, the priest got part of the meat, they got part of the meat, and God got part of the meat. So it was a great big party with God. It's Thanksgiving. It was to be something that was to be voluntary. And you had two days to eat all the meat that you had left from that. On the self on the same day it shall be eaten up, and you shall leave none of it until the morrow. I am the Lord. Okay? And again, that, that would have meant that if it had to be eaten on the same day, that it was a vow. It was the fulfillment of a vow. It says, Therefore you shall keep my commandments, and to do them I am the Lord. And he wants us to keep his commandments. But he wants us to keep it. Why? Because he is, I am the Lord. And he wanted to live within them and, and, and get this. Neither shall you profane my holy name, but I will hallow, I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord, which hallow you. Okay, so this is profane his holy name. And we've talked about name before. And remember, the name just is not his name. It is all the reputation behind his name. And this is why we as Christians, we should be honoring Jesus' name because we have taken his name upon us. If we don't live a righteous, godly life, we profane his name. We profane his reputation. And again, it's not because I work hard to do it. It's because God works in me. He's the one that has set me aside. He's the one that sanctifies me. He's the one that gives me the strength to, to walk in these things. And it says, I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I'm going to say that God says the same thing. I will be hallowed around my children that I have adopted and I have sanctified. Us as Christians, God has hallowed us. He has made us holy. He is sanctifying us. He has declared us perfect. And he wants us to live according to that and not profane his name. That brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. He is the Lord, and he wants to be honored, he wants to be pressed, he wants to be worshipped, and he wants us to live a life that honors him. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank for the opportunity we have of coming before you. We ask that you lead and guide us in all that we do and say in your son's precious name. Amen.